Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 17. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. And so often, you know, we are pounding the pulpit on, you know, all oh, the sin of homosexuals. We all got to get the gays out of the church, get the gays out of the pulpit. All the alcoholics and all of the people, drug addicted people, we need to get rid of them people and deal with those people. And they need celebrate recovery and all of this stuff here. Well, you know what? Gossipers need celebrate recovery as well. Uh huh. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands because that's that's true. It's just, here's my point. Here's my point. It's just as destructive. It really is. It's horrible. And I've seen people, I've had people gossip about me and put it out there on the internet. Can y'all imagine somebody saying one bad thing about me? It's unconscionable. I can't conceive it in my furthest imagination. But they have. And putting things out all on the internet. And the internet, whoo, Lordy, the internet can be a good resource and it could be a horrible, destructive thing. And the, and the interesting thing about the culture we live in, people will say things to you via email, via text message, via Facebook. They will say things to you through those ways, but they will never say it to your face. You know, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't respect that. I can't respect that. I'm going to wait while the rest of y'all clap your hands because they did. Yep. Isn't it true? It just gives people a way to tell you what they think. I'm going to tell you what's on my mind without telling you to your face. Don't do that. If you have something to say to someone, go to them. Don't come to the pastor. People will come to me and Pastor Rodney, you know, I need you to pray. Part of this I understand. I'm the pastor, and they maybe are coming to me truly for advice, counsel, or just, you know, how to handle a certain situation. That part I do understand. But usually I say to them, have you gone to that person? No, I haven't gone to that person. I tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. We'll talk about it a little bit. I'll give you some godly counsel, and then I'm going to give you one week. I do this, and some of y'all in here, I've probably done it with you. If, if I'll give you one week to go to that person and tell them what it is you have told me. If you don't do it in one week, if you haven't talked to them, and I will check back with you because I got a good memory. I'm 50, but I got a good memory, okay? And I will check back with you. And if you haven't done it, I will bring you and them in the same room and you will tell them there because I'm not your trash can. I want to love people. God has called me to love people. God has called me to love every single one of you. And I can't love you if I let people gossip about you and tell me things. I don't even let people say off color things. And my son is sitting right there. My wife was in last service and they will tell you, I don't let people say off color things against other people. We don't do that in my house. We don't. Not at the Finch family house. No, we don't. We don't sit up and talk about this person at church and what about that person at church. And parents, listen, 
This is a freebie because last night and two this morning didn't get this. This is a freebie for you, okay? Parents, if you do that in front of your kids, you are killing them spiritually. That is the most destructive thing because you know what will happen? You'll get it all right and your heart will get right toward them and you'll make it up and everything will be good. And you'll be hugging and kissing and loving each other and worshiping together. Kumbaya at church real soon. But you know what the kids will do? They hold it in their heart. And you just stumbled a little one. You got to be careful. I don't let that happen in my house. No, you can't talk about nobody. Don't want to talk about what you think about this and what you think about that. Nope, nope, nope. Get out of those conversations because we are called to love people. We are not called to judge people. We are to love them and let God judge them. And that's exactly what I want to do as a pastor of this church. I just want to see everybody and just love you in the name of Jesus. I ain't trying to find out what you're doing. Is that all right? Is that all right? Is that all right with y'all back there? Is that all right? It's got to be all right because it's biblical and it is right. Don't let people use you for your trash can, for their trash can. Now, here's a remedy for, for gossipers. Listen, if somebody's coming to gossip to you, what, what you do is, and you know when gossip's coming. Amen. Amen. Everybody knows when it's coming. Then you either want to be a part of it or you don't. If you don't, you stop them mid-sentence and say, hey, have you Matthew 18, 15? Well, I don't even know what Matthew 18, 15 says. Oh, okay, well, here, let's go look at it right now. Let's look at it right now. See, it says, go to him. Did you go to them yet? No, 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 no. Well, stop right there. Don't tell me another thing until you go to them. Generally, when they go to them, they'll never come back to you because they already handle it. Jesus knows that. He knows stuff. He's God. He knows stuff. He knows stuff. And he knows that if you just go to them, you won't have all that stuff. So you stop them mid-sentence. If they continue to gossip, you know what you do? You just look at them and you just stare. I just stare. I'm actually a good stare. I can stare you down. I just stare at them. I just stare at them. It just, just stare. Don't, don't even, you know, it'd be awkward. It'll be weird. It'll be embarrassing, but just stare at them. Don't even just, just stare. And if that doesn't work, just start screaming and yelling and running away. You know what I mean? If you do that, you're like, ah! You know what happened? They'll think you're crazy and they'll never come back and tell you anything else. I'm just trying to help you. I'm your pastor. I love you. Really. So you, you know, but don't let people gossip to you. Jesus said in verse two, please look at it. Jesus said, woe to him through whom they do come. Offenses. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck than to offend one of these little ones. In other words, if you cause a little one to stumble, be offended, scandalized, the preferred treatment, it doesn't say this is going to happen. It says the preferred treatment of what is going to come is so bad, it would be better if you had tied a millstone around your neck than to experience the punishment that awaits those who deliberately stumble little ones. And listen, I don't think when Jesus says little ones that he's talking about little kids only. I think he's talking about people who are little in the faith. You know, I think of the little ones are little kids of what they're, they're being stumbled in the school system. They're being offended in the school system, scandalized in the school system. What they're being taught and forced in their minds, uh, sex education and, and choice. In some schools, you can go and you can go have an abortion and never tell your parents. All unbelievable things. 
They're, they're, they're being offended. They're being, you know, everybody has rights and evolution. And these teachers, listen, these teachers who deliberately are destroying the faith of a child, it's better for a millstone to be hung around their neck than to stumble these little ones. Point number two in our outline, we got to move on. Lessons on forgiveness in verse three and four. Please look at it in your Bibles. Notice most Christians are anxious for the first part and reluctant for the second. Most Christians are anxious to rebuke him, but not anxious to forgive him. You know, we should be people who are forgiving people. We should be patient if your brother trespasses against you, because no doubt you have trespassed against someone else. And you know, isn't it easy for us, or why, question, why is it easy for us to go to God and ask him to forgive us? And I don't know about you, but when I ask God to forgive me, I honestly get up from my knees and I feel forgiven. I really do. I feel forgiven because God says, I will forgive you. As far as the east is from the west, so shall your sin be far from me. God will forgive you if you ask him. But if somebody asks you to forgive them, why is that so difficult for us? You know, somebody asks you to forgive them, you'll say, well, you know what? I'll forgive you. Some of your husband and wives, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'll forgive you, but I won't forget it. Well, wait a minute. Or I'll forgive you, but, you know, I don't think it was sincere enough. You know, I, I was expecting a little more than three tears. You know, I just, you know, not quite, doesn't feel quite sincere yet. We're quick to, you know, take people through those motions. We need to be forgiving people, forgiving them. Jesus said, that if someone sins against you, you need to forgive him. Look at verse four. If he trespasses seven times in a day and he comes back seven times and says, I, I, I repent, you shall forgive him. Look at verse five. And the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, I, I think that's hilarious. I, that's a classic statement, actually. Notice in verse four, Jesus was saying, forgive. Are y'all looking at verse four? Jesus says, forgive them seven times, even if it's in one day. You need to forgive them. And in verse 5, they say, Lord, increase our faith. It's almost like they're saying, Lord, I don't know if we can do that. You get this kind of classic little play on words, a little classic little statement. Lord, I, I, Lord, increase our faith. I don't know if we can do that. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, here's your homework. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter said, Jesus, if my brother sins against me over and over, when can I stop being patient with him? And when can I say is enough and is enough? And when can I slap him? In Jesus' name, of course. When can I do that? Peter says seven times, Jesus. Is that the number? And Peter's thinking, Jesus, you know, I know some people, and, you know, some people I know, they're already on number six. So is that number seven times, Jesus? Now, I'm sure that Peter, listen, felt pretty proud of himself because the rabbis taught in those days that three times was sufficient. So Peter thought, I'll double that. And Jesus said, Peter, no, seven times. Anybody know the number? 70 equals 490 times. And Peter said, what you talking about, Willis? 490 times? I need to forgive him. Peter's thinking, man, who can keep up with that number? The point is forgiveness is not a matter of mathematics. Jesus isn't saying keep forgiving 487, 488, 489, 490 until they run out of forgiveness quotas. Jesus is saying we should keep on forgiving and forgiving and forgiving your brother until you're in the habit of being patient and forgiving or until you have killed them. Either one. But just as you are forgiven, you need to forgive. Write this down. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Point number three, lessons on faith in verse five and six. 
After teaching about forgiveness, the disciples heard that and they said, Lord, increase our faith. And then in verse six, Jesus said, if you have faith as anybody looking at it, as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 says this. I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, many times, saints, listen to me. Many times this verse is understood this way. If you have just a little itty bitty amount of faith, like a mustard seed, you can do so much. Some people understand that verse that way. And I think that's part of the message, but not the entirety. Jesus is not emphasizing, watch this, are you listening? Jesus is not emphasizing the size of your faith, but the type of your faith. It's not the quantity of your faith, it's the quality of your faith. A mustard seed is small, but more importantly than being small, it's living. Faith is like a seed. It seems small and weak, but it has life in it. It is a faith that is living. We have a faith that is living. Faith is only as strong as the object of that faith. You agree? Our God, listen, is a faithful God. Somebody say amen. And our God is a strong and mighty tower. Our God is a rock that we can lean on. The Bible says that our God is a very present help in a time of need. So our faith is in a strong God. Therefore, we need to have a strong faith, a living faith. D.O. Moody said, if God be your partner, love this, make your plans large. If God be your partner, make your plans large. Donald Gray Barnhouse went back to preach at his seminary, and one of his professors, a godly man, came to listen. And afterward, he approached Barnhouse and said, when my students come back to preach, I come out to hear them and to see if they are a big godder or a little godder. Meaning, is God big or is God small? Can I tell you something? Me, speak for me. Me, Pastor Rodney, I am a big godder. I am telling you that God can do anything. I'm telling you that there is nothing too hard for God, that God can do anything. Can somebody clap your hands if you know what I'm talking about? God can do anything. Now, Jesus, listen, he's talking about a living faith, not faith in faith, but a living faith. A faith that lives, point number four, and finally, lessons on faithfulness and stewardship, verse seven through 10. Now, Jesus knew, look, how to balance one truth with another because he was a good teacher. He was the best. And he knew how to balance one truth with another so that his disciples wouldn't go to extremes. So the miraculous faith of verse six must be balanced with faithful day-to-day service. Jesus said, which of you having a servant, the Greek word for servant, anybody know? Anybody know? Doulos, doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, doulos. Which of you having a servant, a doulos, a slave, after he has finished work, that the master would say, oh, come, take a load off, sit down and rest. 
but rather he would say, come in and finish your duty, put on the house clothes and wait on me. And when I'm done eating, then you can take care of yourself. Look at verse nine in your Bibles. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? The answer is no. Verse 10. So likewise, when you're done, when you've done all the things that were commanded, then are you looking at verse 10? Then we will say what saints? We are what? Unprofitable. Is anybody looking at verse 10? Then we will say what? We are unprofitable servants. We have done what our duty to do. The word duty, it means debt. We've done that which is necessary in light of our debt. Somebody once said, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt. I owed a debt that I could not pay. He paid a debt that I did not owe. We need to realize, listen to me, and I come in for a landing here. We need to realize that we are forever in debt to God. And we need to understand that our work is never done on earth. I've told you before, I, I, I actually don't have like a retirement plan. I don't have a 401k and CDs and all of these things. I don't have any of these things because I don't plan on retiring in this life. When I retire, Pastor Rodney's going to retire right here in the pulpit. And I told you, I want to retire right here while I'm preaching. I'll wait. That's a good aspiration. Um, I want to retire right here preaching the word. I want to drop dead mid-sentence. I'm serious. I'm so old. They had to help me up here. We had to get a ramp. Rodney Jr. got to push me up here. And I want to be preaching the word, and we are unprofitable. Boom. And somebody say, man, he sure is tired, isn't he? No, he's dead. I want to die right here. I'm never going to retire. I'm always going to be serving the Lord here on this earth. When you realize, listen, what God has done for us, you want to serve him out of a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. When your heart is right and your understanding is clear about what God has done, you will live and act like it's a privilege to serve God. We should be happy to serve. Somebody listen to me. We should be happy to serve God. Isn't that right? Whether you're changing poopy diapers in the nursery or whether you're handing out greetings, at, at, bulletins at the, at the door, it's better to be in the house of a doorkeeper in the house of a Lord than anywhere else. And whether you're vacuuming the floors or cleaning the, cleaning the toilets or preaching from the pulpit, it is a privilege to serve God. You owe him that because God has been good to you. I do not care whether you're a Christian or not. I don't care. If you're not a Christian, listen, God has even been better to you because you don't even know him. And yet you woke up this morning. Somebody need to hear me. You, somebody need to hear me. I don't care if you're a Christian. God's been good to you. God has blessed us, and it is a privilege to serve God. You know, we were out in California some years ago before we came here, and we, you know, felt like the Lord was calling us to be here, and we, um, you know, we didn't have the money to move here, and the Lord told me to have um, consecutive house sales. So we opened the front doors of the house, you know, we didn't have a garage sale. We had a house sale. You just walk in. People are walking in. Hey, is that picture on the wall for sale? Because I wouldn't take nothing down. I ain't taking it outside for you to put in your car. You put in your car. So 
I figure leave everything where it is. Hey, that picture for sale? Yup, it sure is. How much? Y'all? Take that. Yup. Dining room set? Take that. Kitchen set? Take that. Living room set? Take that. Washer dryer? Take that. We moved to North Carolina with nothing but a forerunner and a bunch of kids inside and, 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 the cl- and some clothes that we had. And we found ourselves uh, living in uh, uh, Morrisville and Morrisville Traybrook Apartments where, where we were. And uh, we, we didn't have anything when we first moved here. We did not have anything. We had a lot of beans, a lot of rice, a lot of spaghetti, a lot of macaroni and cheese, and stuff that goes far because we didn't have any money. Actually, by the time I paid my rent, we had about $400 left. $400 and five kids and a wife and no jobs. We had nothing. So we had no furniture or anything. I will, I'll never forget this. Our first TV cabinet, we got it out of the trash can, out the trash bin up at the, you know. See, we lived in one of those apartment complexes. When people move in the area, they would move there, and then they would only stay for about a month, and then they move into a house. they go buy a house. So they put a lot of good furniture out there. I mean, a lot of good stuff. I used to call that little trash dump Haverty's. <laughs> I did. I was oh, Haverty. Habitat. I used to go up there. I will never forget. We got our first TV cabinet out of the trash dump. So we got, I'd go up there and check pretty often. See, we had so much stuff. We had couches. We, we, had, we had about four couches in our living room at one time. We used to call our living room Couch World because we had so many couches. Because we got, and the first TV cabinet. So we get this TV cabinet, and I had a bad back. And we had a forerunner. So I told her, I said, there's a great TV cabinet on up there. We got to go get it. So we go up there. I got a bad back. So I told Alvaro, we got to get this thing on the car. So we put down the, the back door and we put it, leaned it on the thing. I said, honey, you know, I can't hold that thing. So I'm going to have to drive and you're going to have to hold it and run behind. So, <laughs> so true story. True story. So Alvaro goes, okay, all right. So <laughs> she's so sweet. She do anything. So, so she, so we put the thing on there and, and, and then we got it up there and I got in, I drove and Elvira was running behind it. And I was like doing 25 miles an hour. No, I'm just kidding. But she was, she was like, so we're just, we just getting this thing home. That was, and she's like, <laughs> I'm like, are you holding it? Are you holding it? Are you holding it? I think you're letting it go. Well, slow down. But our first TV camp, we had so much, we didn't have anything. And when we got here, you know, and then people would say to me many times, they would say, oh, well, you know what? You guys have given up so much to follow the Lord and you've done all oh, you've just by faith, by faith. And I would tell people, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I did not really come here by faith. What you mean, Rodney? I didn't come here by faith. Before coming here, God was speaking to us in visions and dreams almost every night. I wrote it down in a journal. I can show it to you. Every night, God was telling us something, showing us where we're going to live, telling us how much we're going to pay in rent to the apartment. So it wasn't, listen, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, I saw a lot. So it really wasn't faith, and I didn't give up anything to follow the Lord because I can tell you something. Whatever it is I left behind, and listen to me, please, somebody. Whatever I left behind in California, God has blessed me here in North Carolina. I, you are looking at one blessed man. I got a flat screen TV, y'all. Now, you know you got a flat screen. You moving on up to the east side. 
to a deluxe apartment. And you got to do this. In the sky, ha, ha. You got to do that. You got to go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but, you know, I'm blessed. God has blessed me. God is. And look at what God has done for this church. You need to give the Lord a hand. And look what he's done for this church. And look around. This church is so different. Kevin, you know this church is so different. He's done so much. And for me, I am an unprofitable servant. I don't deserve anything. None of us deserve anything. We have done what it is God has called us to do. And whatever it is God has called you to do, you do it with all your heart. You're an unprofitable servant. For me, God has taken ashes and made something out of it. I'm not real sure what it is yet. But God has done great and awesome things. And God will do great and awesome things in your life if you just simply say, Lord, I'm an unprofitable servant. And God, just take my life and use my life in the way that you choose. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.